Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What up? This is Myron and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The alternative underground back alley, underbelly, secret society, down on the docks, the other side of the track. Speak easy, dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to here on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. And if you're doing it on like Spotify or even Apple Music, don't forget to say hello by giving us that review. How about one of those five-star reviews? You know, we like those five-tool baseball players, but you know what we like more here on this podcast? Five-star reviews. Also, make sure to check us out on the socials. And if you got something strongly worded to say to us, check us out at or email us, I should say, at ryebreadandmustardpodcast at gmail.com. All right, all the house cleaning is out of the way. And obviously, we're back full-time now. We're, we're, we are reporting to spring training. Well, we're actually not down at spring training, but we'll be down there in a couple of weeks. But, Hanno, is it good to be back talking about baseball and actually getting some sort of results out of what's going on down at spring training? And we're officially in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, spring training has started. Pitchers and catchers are there. All the position players are there. I want to take a quick second to thank you of uh, putting out such a great interview with Tom Hutler. That was phenomenal. Uh, thank you. You did a great job. You were there too, so I got to thank you. Also today on today's podcast, in the stat department and in the pop culture department, we got Tanya. How's it going? It's going great. I'm really happy to be back. Yeah, you getting those stretches in? Still stretching, getting more limber by the episode. There you go. You're on the analytics and you are on the cybermetrics. Can you handle that? I can handle it. I got it. Okay, so listen, there, there's a lot of things going on in spring training. Every media outlet's got their things going on, especially if you're down with the flagship station, 710 ESPN or 710 Seattle Sports, I'm sorry, that's what they're called now. Um, you know that's my station, Hannah, not yours. No, I've always kind of stuck with KJR. I've listened to him for the last 20 years or so, uh, even before 710 was a thing. And uh, I just prefer uh, 950. They uh, give the hard-hitting questions. You know, I heard them recently on with Justin Turner, excuse me, Justin Hollander, the uh, GM. So uh, they give those kind of questions that 710 doesn't uh, give. I I, ha- I I have to agree with you this time. You know, we, yes, we've talked about this a lot back and forth on this podcast. If you're listening, I'm, I'm a 710 guy. He's a KJR guy. And then outside of that, it's he's a Twitter guy. I'm an Instagram guy. So we have, you know, a lot of different sources uh, with the same story, a lot of different opinions. It's not so uh, Republican, Democratic, 
You know, it's not like that. It's more like AEW, WWE, okay? Um, I do have to agree, though, when we do start off spring training, 710 Seattle is all about, hey, meet the guys. Let's let's figure out what, uh, you know, Colton Wong's favorite lasagna is. Or does Matt Festa like water parks? Or is he, you know, more of somebody that likes to go, like, you know, uh, skiing. It's a lot of that fluff. And usually at the beginning of the year, though, I, I root sport does it too. But usually at the beginning of the season, it is kind of about, hey, optimism. Everybody's showing back up in shape. Everybody's got haircuts. Everybody has mission statements. But also, you know, there's a lot of stuff lingering from the off season that been unanswered directly and uh 710 is kind of like a little bit moved past that you know they're they have jerry depoto on every week we, we love the show but you turned me on to a interview with uh was it puck and what's what, what's it called yeah puck and uh jim the go-to guy yeah, uh, and I think they definitely, I will have to give you this, they definitely wore their heart on the sleeves and asked a lot of the questions, some of those deep questions from way, way back. Uh, why don't you break down that uh, interview for us? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, more of a fan kind of question asking uh, if, I mean, that doesn't sound right, but they asked the hard-hitting questions that the, some of the fans had, you know? I mean, why didn't you look at the other shortstops are available, the uh, four big shortstops that were available here this offseason? What was the thinking behind that? Where was uh, your thinking and not going after a guy like uh, Bell that signed with uh, Cleveland, uh, signed for a, a modest deal, two-year deal, $14 million. Why didn't you think about going after him? Some of those hard-hitting questions that maybe the flagship wouldn't answer, but uh, they went right after him and just wanted to get the get the questions out there to see what Justin Hollander felt. Uh, they did, and I feel like Jerry Depoto, you know, he's the Teflon Don on all these. And listen, I, I do have to believe in what Jerry Depoto has done, and you know, maybe it's not the instant. Uh, you know, results that we want. But overall, over a period of time, he has steered us in the right way. But right now, again, the thing is, hey, when the time is right, we're going to get X, Y, and Z, and we're going to add on. And over the off season, that didn't really happen if you, you know, ask the average fan. And I feel like Justin Hollander, this is his first year uh of the start of the season where he's the guy, he's publicly the GM. And when he's on 710, it's a lot of like, hey, let's talk about all of the positive things and what did you see in this guy and why did you get him? What made you make that call? And, and definitely in this piece that they did on KJR last week, it definitely was like, what the fuck were you thinking and why didn't we get these things? And I, I do have to agree. These are a lot of the things that we've, we're talking about earlier in the year. I've kind of just kind of let it go, but it was kind of refreshing to listen to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was nice to hear kind of, uh, getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, of what the philosophy was. Why was it, you know, as what it was. I mean, why didn't we go for these other stars? Why did we not sign certain players? What was the thinking behind it? It was, it was like you said, refreshing to get maybe those hard-hitting questions maybe that the flagship wouldn't send uh, their way. And, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was straight to the point. It, it was pretty interesting that they threw Justin in there on that because obviously why didn't Jerry take this? I don't know if they have a contract over for the other station, but it definitely felt like, hey, you threw this guy in the lion's den. Uh, you could tell there was a little bit of frustration and definitely a big wall. I, I hope this was good training for him because he did sound like he was a bit on his heels, but he at the same time held his his grounds on what he should and should not say and the beliefs that he had 
I have I, to give him that. No, I agree. He did a phenomenal job answering the question. He didn't dodge the question. No, he didn't flip-flop at all. No, not at all. I mean, but it was it was the type of question where that really hasn't been answered or asked from any of the media members that I've followed along here throughout uh, the offseason and spring training. Yeah, I, I mean, when they were talking about Josh Bell, you know, these were, and what I really liked about the interview was we weren't, really talking about Trey Turner's. We weren't talking about uh, Carlos Correa. We're talking about a lot of the secondary free agents that we were like, okay, you didn't go out and spend this much money, but these were all affordable guys. Very, you know, similar, I guess, players to a Teoscar Hernandez. I think that's kind of like the, the level of what we were expecting. Some more of that. Yeah, I mean... There was a lot of questions. You know, the Mariners had a great season last year. The expectation was that for them was to add on to that, maybe get some big, you know, free agents. That was talked about a couple of years ago by Jerry. Uh, it didn't come to fruition, and they went a different way. They made some trades to get Tiasca Hernandez. They got Colton Wong, and they didn't go after that free agent market that was talked about by Jerry a couple of years ago and some I've been critical of, but you know, they, they made that transition to add to this team, but they didn't go far enough in some of our opinions. So it was nice to hear them talk about that and what their philosophy was and why they did what they did. Yes. It was refreshing to hear somebody, you know, pop off on these things that obviously we were uh, talking about and, um, and again, it was Jim Moore who used to be on 710 that used to constantly ruffle feathers, you know, sometimes put his foot in his mouth, but that that's who Jim is and we love him for it. And, uh, where do we find this episode? Because I think like for our listeners, instead of just going over beat for beat, I think you should go back and listen to it and then, you know, just allow it to be this cathartic thing and then get into what's going on. Where do we get this? No, like I said, it was nice to have, have the uh, hard-hitting questions that maybe some of the fans would ask, um, maybe some of the uncomfortable questions, but you can check it out on uh, the iHeartRadio app. Um, look under Puck and Jim. It's uh, under there uh, on their podcast page. Um, they uh, It's right under where they interviewed Justin Hollander. It was it was phenomenal. I yeah. mean, it was a lot of questions that if I had the opportunity to talk to them, I would ask the same thing. And they they didn't hold back. And it, it was refreshing to hear some of the media members just throw it out there. Of, yeah. Because that's what we're all asking. Yeah, and I think they carefully asked them to, to the point where they weren't being hostile. They're just like, hey, uh, we don't understand this. And again... I think if Jerry DePoto was on there, he might have, you know, finessed it. Jerry DePoto definitely has that Pete Carroll-esque, like, you know, it is, everything is optimistic. And we don't know who Justin is yet. All we've, like I said, all we've heard is all the things that he likes about baseball. All It's all this getting to know you kind of stuff. Now it's turned to, when you listen to this interview, more of the, like, Okay, so you're the guy making the calls, or, or are you not making the calls, and why did this happen? I think he was maybe possibly ready for that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You, you be the judge on that. Go check it out. We're going to be moving on right now. Now here's Lenny Randall. When the Mariners beat the Red Sox. Okay, so Hannah, I got a question for you. Just coming from, admittedly, I'm a, a very casual fan here, so bear with me. Um, so the games that I've been to, the familiarity that I have with the team, one of the names I'm most familiar with and I hear a lot is Jared Kelnick. And it's been all over the board um, from what I know, again, just from my own experience. I just want to know, where are we with him? Are we supportive? 
Are we over him? Do we hold out hope? Is this going to be a better year for him? Where are we out there? So with my feeling on Jared Kelnick, uh, he's a young player. I still have a lot of faith in him. He's like I said, he's young. He's only 23. Uh, yeah, he's had 500 bats in the big leagues. He hasn't been as successful as what his um, what he should be, according to the uh, experts. Uh, high prospect, a lot of pedigree coming into uh, coming into this year's camp. It, it has been uh, talked about that he has uh, changed his swing. This offseason worked with a couple guys down in the L.A. area. He was he feels like he was a sponge, taking a lot of things in, a lot of different things. Has coming through with struggles these last couple years. He's wanting to make some adjustments and all of that. My thing is, is that in spring training, he's only going to face maybe a, a number one starter maybe once or twice through the every game. And uh, I, I personally want to see him you know, obviously be successful and, and succeed, get that confidence up. But to me, it, it, all about Jared Kelnick starts in the regular season. So we see how he produces every four at-bats, every game, what he can do throughout the regular season. That is the main thing to me to see how far he has taken that next step forward because a lot of people, a lot of fans in this area talk about it's all in his head and – uh it, I just want to see him get out there, be free, and see what he can do in the regular season. And if he can make that adjustment, and if he has made that adjustment to see what he has uh, came through as a, or what he has changed in his swing to make him a better ball player this year and the adjustments that he's made. Yeah, I think the key word is adjustment. Over 500 bats or about 500 bats over two seasons, lots of call up, lots of call downs. Okay, you've seen this sample size of what he's ready for and what he is not ready for in the major leagues, correct? So you get a guy like A.J. Pollock, right? Uh, Mariners did not go out and get a everyday left fielder, right? Uh, so we have definitely going into spring training said, look, the left-handed left fielder platoon outfielder position is open with with Jared Kelnick as your you know your surest bet I guess you would say out of the prospects he's obviously supposed to have been possibly in the position where Julio Rodriguez is at it didn't work out but the Mariners have you know put him in a position to succeed you you get rid of the shift this season um, you also don't have him you don't have him in there having to go against the best left-handed pitchers in the major leagues so whether it was him or whether it was Tremel, they were going to be in a better position to succeed and I think now that you do have a Julio and you do have these other stars that you've brought in versus when you brought Jerry Kelnick up in 2021, he doesn't have to be that star. You hear that a lot. You hear that out of Jerry. You hear that out of anybody around the Mariners going like, okay, we just want him to get himself going. The other thing is you have to point out he's a lot younger than a lot of these established players in this league. He's a lot younger than a lot of players that turn into great players, even make their debut. Um, a lot has been talked about his attitude, right? The, like he started off as a very braggadocious dude, you know, he was big on social media, check this out. Um, then when he came up anytime he, you know, struck out, we hadn't seen anybody get this mad since, you know, Bo Jackson was, you know, busting his bat over his knees. Then we saw this very like fan friendly version of him when he had a really good ending to 2021. And then we had the very like very shut down, quiet version of him last year. And like you were saying, Hanno, he's let a lot of people inside of his camp this year. And why I bring up that before I bring up your point is I was listening to Shannon Dreyer on 710. But, uh, you know, she knows these guys inside and out. And there was something that I just didn't know about him that kind of all put it all together about, you know, maybe trust 
stuff and, you know, attitude. And uh, again, he's young. He's a young, young guy. Uh, he was homeschooled and which I go, wow, wait a minute. Well, where did he go play baseball? But I also know like we used to play with people that went to alternative schools or, or home schools, you know, going to a Seattle public school. But then also I don't maybe think he had that day to day lifestyle with that kind of stuff, which goes into a lot of his problems where people always go, it's not his ability. It's what's upstairs. And I think that's with a lot of players, but, um, you know, looking at the homeschool thing, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, a big window for us to look in. What do you think about that, Tanya? Well, I think it's really interesting. And, you're, and yeah, Jared is a really young man. He's, what, 23, I think? Mm-hmm. So he's young on a, the biggest stage, you know, you can be at it in your career. <clears throat> and he's facing the biggest challenge. And, I look, I don't think anybody wants to break this block more than Jared Kelnick, right? No. Yeah, you're exactly right. Nobody wants it more than him. But also... I think therein lies a bit of the problem, too, because you get so in your head about it and you're so aware that every single at-bat, what is at stake there? So with the homeschooling part, I not to be clear, I have no issues with homeschooling. I'm not dragging homeschooling or people who were homeschooled. But the fact of the matter is it's a very different experience. Um, your socialization is very different. How you, you know, you... You don't get quite the same character building, I think, maybe necessarily as like, well, the three of us here are, you know, Seattle Public School graduates. I think I speak for all of us when I say we could have maybe used a, a little dose of that home. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what's what's nice to see about Jared this year, he's always gone back home to Wisconsin, worked in his uh, facility that his folks uh run back in Wisconsin. It's nice to see, you know, he's, it hasn't worked out for him the last couple off seasons. And for him to go out west, down in California and Arizona, and to work with some other folks, giving him a different message. I mean, that's part of making adjustments in the big leagues, you know. Things aren't working out, you got to make an adjustment. And for him to be able to go out there, hear different people, hear different ways of doing things, and adapt to it, I mean, that's a big step for him as he grows as a young ball player in the major leagues. Yeah, and the thing about, hey, he had to get some other help. It's like this help it didn't fail him. That got him to this situation. Definitely. You know? And I even heard Mark McGuire was one of the swing coaches. Well, guess what? I don't know if he's working with them this year. He's not. I know Mark McGuire's a California guy, but... If Mark McGuire, you know, got let go out of this, I, trust me, there's other players that will benefit from Mark McGuire. He, he's probably got a full list of people, you know, calling him. So. Absolutely. And the same message from a big-time Hall of Fame player like Mark McGuire might not register with a Kelnick, or it might, but he's not, you know, adapting that onto the field. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into the hitting stance, the hitting um, – what am I trying to say? The, the the way you just, you know, your your mechanics, all that stuff. You know, you can hear all you want from pl- from coaches, former players to try to bring into your game, and it's hard. you got to be able to have something click. And besides that, anybody can tell you how to do it, but until it clicks and works, you still don't have that confidence. No, and that's where, like, Tanya's talking about that character building and that character mentality where maybe somebody else that's like, hey, you know, I don't know who he's working with, but somebody else that's like, hey, look, I was a highly touted prospect and X, Y, and Z didn't happen. Uh, maybe just being around other guys. I don't, like I said, I'm speculating on like who he's around, but all these other people are, you know, so tightly inside of this bubble that, I mean, we've watched them. We, we go to game. Well, I don't just see what's on TV. I'm, I'm down there, you know, and Jared Kelnick is somebody that really, really, really fucking cares about his job and his, you know, feels like he cares about his legacy already. And um, definitely being, what, number six draft pick and traded, you know, it was a highly, you know, anybody that's a Mariners fan already knows, but for the people that don't know that we're listening, you know, he was a... Uh, a highly touted prospect. Yeah, that's the word <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I mean, that's how we traded Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz to the Mets. I mean, it was block buster trade and 
you know, it, he had a few years until he got to this point. And we brought him up early in 2021 because we needed anybody or anything. And that's kind of where I look at the organization going, why don't you just go out and make a trade, get get some instant offense instead of putting all this pressure on him. And that's where I think they mishandled him a lot. Well, yeah. And, he, I mean, he lost the year of COVID. He was down in that training site down there. Um, he didn't get the reps like he would normally against other teams. He was just facing some inter-squad games. But, yeah, I mean, being that highly touted prospect, seeing Julio, who was younger than him, come up through the, the, the organization, both of them having quite a bit of pedigree coming through the organization, and then him not succeeding, yeah, that'll wear on you mentally, physically. But, I mean... As Tanya said, I mean, there's a lot of things that can go into it, you know, uh, as far as, I mean, he was homeschooled. He wasn't around players. Um, it's it's a whole new thing for him. Yeah, I think I just wonder how much of that can affect a mental toughness, you know, the the kind of grit that a, a person you know, has or doesn't have coming out from what you're saying, you know, with those really high expectations, so much to live up to and tons of, I can't even imagine the pressure to get to this point where he's fighting so hard to come back from that. Yeah. And you're running into failure for the first time. And if anybody knows Mm -hmm. baseball, it's a game of failure, you know, three out of 10 times you're in the hall of fame. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the first time, I mean, he flew through the minor leagues single A, double A, all the way up to the big leagues um, and then got sent back down to, and, and to triple A. Uh, like I said, he didn't have that year of progression because of the COVID year, uh, had all that expectation. Uh, the uh, thing with his agent saying that he should be in the pros already, uh, talking with um, the Mariner staff saying that they're going to do, you know, possibly – kind of not screw him over, but what's the word I'm looking for, but hold him back because of his talent. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that goes into a player's head besides just playing the game, uh, getting base hits. Uh, I I mean, he struggled mentally. And you're doing this during the age of social media. I mean, he scrubbed his account of all Mariner stuff uh, when he didn't get what called back up at a certain time in the season. I don't know if he did this this off season. Um, you know, he was a big social media guy. I mean, we were seeing a lot of awesome shit from him during the uh, COVID years or during the COVID year. And uh, you know, again, he's from this age group. He's a he's a Gen Zer, and the way you react to things and you know your struggles or whatever you have to deal with a lot. You also have to deal with. Reddit, right? There was the Reddit, uh, what was that, a comic book? What was your takeaway of that Reddit comic book thing? Well, it was it was bizarre. It was that fan fiction. Um, I thought it was bizarre and nothing to do with Kelnick himself. He didn't ask for that. I, I can only imagine um, what he thought about it. Um, but the, the woman who wrote it, okay, I thought that was uh, interesting. You know, we thought about doing... A full breakdown. I don't think we briefly mentioned it on here, but I don't know what kind of positivity that would bring to, you know, to Mariners, to Jerry Kelnick, or I'm not saying that everybody's listening to us and that's that's the thing, but I just felt like it was a punching down segment, so we never did it. It was very strange. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand where it was coming from. My thing for Jared this year, I just hopefully he gets off to a, a decent start. You know, he just, like like Scott said last year during the uh, stretch run, just come out and play the best you can and help the team win. And if he can have that attitude, I think things are looking up for him. And hopefully that uh, he has figured something out, you know. I mean, he wants it more than anybody. Mariner fans want it more more than anybody to see him succeed because if he succeeds this uh, this year that's a big plus for this Mariner club I mean it's a big time question mark in left field what this team can do well something if 
if I may, I may be overstepping, please. Again, casual fan here, so check me if you need to. I can take it. Um, with Kelnick, something that makes me wonder if there's, obviously there's an ego issue here, um, understandably, but Myron, you were just talking about how he scrubbed his, you know, Instagram of all things Mariners. Like he had a fight with his girlfriend, right? And he, you know, jumped the gun a little bit and deleted everything before they actually broke up. Well, yeah, and he's not the only player that's done that, but that seems to be a typical trend. And you, we, you know, what's, again, you, like you said, a fight with a spouse that's the typical. I, well, where I was going with that is I wonder also, again, yes, with his age, but also we were talking earlier about a bit of a mental toughness, um, if maybe there's a little bit of that lacking. But I'm also, this is maybe a bit of a, a leap I'm reaching, but I wonder if there is, a, you know, an emotional kind of mental immaturity um, aspect here as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is. And I think we're going to see and i'm optimistic that we are going to see a big change to that and i think that definitely starts with like what we're talking about where he didn't do his usual approach of going hey this is what's worked for me for now here's the change i know when he got brought up last year from being this you know we've seen so many different phases of the happy the braggadocious the quiet the shutdown kind of person that this year i think he and I want to be optimistic about this from everything we're hearing he's going to let his attitude and what his legacy especially in a Mariner uniform because you know let's be honest thank you mom uh let's be honest this might be his last shot at being that person that we believe and the organization believes he can be or his last shot at, you know, setting himself up for the future, which he has a long future. He's 23 years old. And if it doesn't work out here, we've seen lots of players. Trust me. <laughs> if you don't, if you haven't been following the Mariners as long as I have, there's lots of players that didn't work out here and they go somewhere else and they blossom. And a lot of that has to be do with, and they say, a change of environment, which has got to be mental to me. So you're exactly right. But again, we hope for the best for Jared Kelnick. Hanno, you've been one of his biggest, you know, supporters. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have any, anything more else to add before we move on. No, I mean, I agree. He does have an ego. I think you have to have an ego to feel that you're confident going into the season. Uh, you're confident up to the plate. But that wavered real quick when he you know, wasn't successful. He was facing those lefties. The Mariners, it seems like this year, have given him kind of a little bit longer rope. They brought in a guy to face left-handers so he doesn't have to face those guys. And um, it's, it's, it's going to be real intriguing to see how this changes and how the season plays out with him. Uh, he's going to get, obviously, the starts in left field. I mean, everything about his game, in my opinion, is fantastic, other than his hitting. He hasn't figured that out yet. Defensively, he's outstanding. He throws guys out, of, you know, from the outfield. He's a plus outfielder, plus arm, can steal you a bag, but the hitting has just not come through yet. Some might say that's the last thing to come through as you're, you know, developing as a player. Um you know, I, I will still say he's only still 23. Uh, I think it gives him a better chance of trying to figure it out here in the big leagues. Um, and he's going to have a little bit longer leash. You know, Taylor Trammell is hurt. So yeah. it might give him a little bit more leeway of getting that starting job and not feel that pressure. But I think he still will feel that pressure in the beginning of the year if he doesn't get off to a hot, a hot start. So it's it's one of those questions throughout the year that's going to be asked of, Jared Kelnick, where is he at? Has he developed? Has he made that change? Can he help this team offensively? Because that's really the question mark still going into this season. Yeah, and I think it's what happens when he strikes out three times a game. It's going to happen. What happens when you go 0 for 9? You know, it's going to happen. How is he going to transition from, you know, being a, a – player not a major league player to a major league player and we haven't seen him accept that yet but again to close the mariners have the mariners have made it clear that they have left this runway 
for somebody like him, somebody like Tremel, somebody like Marlo, somebody to come up and not have to face these hard left-handers, which Tremel, which definitely Kelnick have had to do because the Mariners didn't have the depth here in the major leagues. We got to move on. Jerry Kelnick, we'll be talking about you, thinking about you all spring. We love you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So let's shift gears just a little bit, okay. um, if I might suggest. Yes, I love for suggestions. Us, for us casual fans, I'd love I to love hear. The casuals. <laughs> I'd love to hear a bit more about maybe some changes that, um, some positive changes that have been made for the team that we can look forward to. Who should we be keeping an eye on this year? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question, and I think like the casual fan that's jumping in, uh, you know, you're. You know, there's a lot of like, we didn't get Trey Turner. We didn't get Carlos Correa. We did, you know, all these, we didn't get Aaron Judge. We didn't get all these people. Yes, we have been here on this podcast talking about the secondary people, the third, the third layer down. But the Mariners did make a lot of, you know, good moves. And when you hear that the team has improved, I have to agree with that, Hanno. Um, I feel like, a lot of people forget about the Teoscar Hernandez because it happened so early on. Colton Wong, no, it wasn't Trey Turner. It wasn't Carlos Correa. It, 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 J.P. Crawford isn't moving to second base. But I think these are going to be the most watched, the most scrutinized if things didn't work, but the most um, also opportunity of, wow, the organization really knows what's going on. But I wholeheartedly just going off of statistics just going off the bear statistics we have definitely improved the team colton wong is a you know upgrade to adam frazier and teoscar hernandez is a complete upgrade to mitch hanniger even on an injured year yeah absolutely that's going to be the big questions going into this year like you said it's going to be teoscar hernandez versus what Mitch Hanniger did, what Adam Frazier was compared to Kelton Wong. Yeah, that's going to be the big questions going into this year. Two big uh, uh, players that were sw- swapped out for those two guys in Kelton Wong and Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, every Mariner fan is going to be looking in to see what those guys do, what they can produce, how big of an impact they can make. I mean, that's basically the whole offseason of what the Mariners changed up. Right, and with Teoscar Hernandez, I mean, we're we're looking at a guy that like literally put the Mariners on his back, uh, on their backs, not on his back, but on their backs. Uh, Maybe he will put the Mariners on his back. We'll he, see. He will. Yes, he's going to put them on their backs. But when he was playing for Toronto last year in the uh, playoffs against the Mariners, he was literally the scariest dude on Toronto. Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. Like you said, I mean, he's up there with George Springer, um, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. I mean, those were the big three hitters on that team. I mean, even Bo Bichette. I mean, they had a lot of good players at Chapman. But, yeah, I mean. He, he, was hit, a, he was the guy wearing the blazer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he hit 25 home runs for them last year. I mean, 32 the year before. If he gets something, somewhere in between 27 to 30 home runs, I mean, that's right up there with Mitch Hanniger when Mitch Hanniger was healthy and played a full season, uh, that's something to be very excited about as a Mariner fan. Yeah, and after May, you know, because, or he had a bad May, I think, but he came off of, to start an injury last year, just just like Castillo, just like Luis Castillo did. He came off injury, started the season a little bit late, had a slow start, and after that, he was one of the most dangerous people. He's still in the top 10, you know, right fielders from last year from i guess quote having an off year but his off year you put that into the mariners lineup come on you know yeah it's gonna i mean he's in a contract year uh 
as well as he was able to, he didn't, he was in arbitration, as you know, he did not win his arbitration case. Um, it was the highest arbitration case this whole year at $14 million. He was looking for 16. The Mariners uh, offered 14 and he lost that and he is going to be paid $14 million this year. I got a question for you about that, Hannah, really fast. So, so he lost the arbitration, and he's getting fourteen million. Um, so, in a case like that, what happens? Does he just he plays out the year at fourteen million? Does he have any of their options there? Good question. So, the way it goes in arbitration is is that the Mariners uh, give out a price. Like I said, they gave up fourteen million. Uh, T. Oscar and his camp comes in with a price at sixteen million. They don't work in between or pick like a median price. You think that would make sense, but the uh, arbitrator then decides: Are we going to go with fourteen or sixteen? And the arbitrator went with the Mariners this year, so he will be get fourteen million dollars this year. Got it. Okay. I have to say they're pretty close. Not too bad. No. Yeah. You would. You would think you would. You know, go into the middle makes more. A lot of sense. Both people be happy, but it's one or the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, it's going to be, he's going to play some right field Myron, but it's, I mean, with the DH position of the Mariners, he could play a lot of DH too. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't liked that because we just want some hitters. But again, you know, yes, his stick is what's going to dictate whether that was a good move or not. But I also have to say, just going back to the arbitration thing, it might not be as personal. I do not think I do not think it's as personal as if this case happened in Toronto, right? This they've had him for a few years. Shit, he was on their playoff roster. He's been an all star. Uh, look at the numbers he's put up. When you go to a new team and they kind of argue that in court, I don't think there's that kind of sting where there's that kind of animosity. So as far as Teoscar Hernandez, you know, maybe extending or signing a new contract with the Mariners, I don't think him losing the case is such a bad thing, even though maybe other outlets or other people, other haters might want to put that out there. So that won't necessarily affect whether he wants to continue with the Mariners beyond this next year or whether the organization wants to continue with him. This is con- considered an isolated business. I think because of him being traded and never playing for the Mariners and never having a relationship except for, you know, you know, hitting well at T-Mobile Park and, you know, uh, us being like, wow, we rather have him on our team versus playing against him. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a situation of like, hey, you know what? We're not ready to commit to that quite yet. We don't really know each other. You know, I think it's fair. Uh, they say a lot of times in these arbitration cases, the players do not sit in on you know, the arbitration meetings or uh, debates or what are they called? The arbitration. I think that's really important. Honestly, I'm glad that they don't do that. It makes a lot of sense to me to be able to maintain the culture um, for the team. So he's able to have a fresh start with the team and keep business business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. There has been instances when the player has been in the courtroom listening to the, what the club says about them and, and that, you know, hurts them. They get butt hurt, and that's understandable. As far as Teoscar coming in, I agree with you, Myron, but it's it's still, if I was in that position and someone is talking me down a million dollars, two million dollars, it would still affect me. It's hard to hear yeah. any negativity about yourself. And there's the case with, with the Burnson guy. Yeah. Uh, and it, Oh, uh, from Milwaukee. Yeah, and a lot of that seems to be, I look, I don't want Corbin wanna, Burns, right? Corbin Burns, not Corbin Burnson, Corbin Burns. That's okay. Okay. Uh, look, a lot of the speculation, you know, online is that a lot of it has to do with that he was unvaccinated. You know, people talk about that. Like, oh, there's really? a, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of angles on the thing. Uh, I don't know if he. I haven't heard the whole whole deal about it. I've just seen a lot of noise of like, here's a situation where in this arbitration meeting, like we've discussed, uh, you know, they'll use anything against you because of whatever. Like, you had a death in your family. 
Well, still, you missed two weeks. Hey, you weren't vaccinated. couldn't play in these cities. There's lots of weird stuff. There's also things that like, hey, I did all this and I did all these community outreach things. I've, you know, had bobblehead nights here. I've been somebody that shows up to the meet and greets. I've been all, you know, I've been everything here in this organization. And then you are saying still no. And also the other part about this is what's crazy about it. Like you said, if you don't agree on a price and it goes to court, it's win or lose. There's no, the court doesn't go, Hey, this is in the middle. You know, you want 15, you want 10, it's 12 and a half. It's 10 or it's 15. But I think in Teoscar Hernandez's case, um, again, hasn't had any relationship with the Mariners. It's not personal. It's just like, yeah, we're not paying that. You know, it's we'll- not personal. And that's, I think, a big part of the reason why um, it's, again, so smart to have the players not be a part of that arbitration process in in the room. That's what you have your your team for. That's what he has an agent for. The agent is not emotionally invested in this the way that Teoscar is. And so he or she is able to keep it business. I agree with you, but me as let's say I'm Teoscar, I would ask my agent what they said because that means something to me, you know. Oh, I'm, and I'm sure they tell them. Yeah, and that would fire me up. But that's okay. I mean, that's the way it goes. It's it's a business, like the players always say. That's why they go out and they usually always go to the club that gives them the most money. But I mean, it besides all the the numbers going back and forth, something I want to bring up that Jerry talked about Teoscar during the. Uh, media session early on in the year. He was he was really praising Teoscar, saying how he's a, a big contact hitter. He's a hard hitter. He's a proven run producer. So that's what we got to look forward to as Mariner fans. I mean, it, it, to me, he pumped him up pretty well. It sounds like he's going to be an upgrade from Mitch Hanniger as far as stats and everything because he's a more healthy player. I mean, the last two years he had 550 at-bats and 499. I mean, that's way more than Hanniger has had in the last two years. That makes a difference. It does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. And, yeah, you know, anything can happen. But as far as, you know, we're going off the stats and we're going off the facts, he's going to be out there. You can, you know, pretty much, you know, sharpie him into the lineup either there or either dh and if we're going to have this rotational dh this is gonna be great you know who else the rotational dh is gonna be great for is the other person i know we just sat there and we just laid in there the anchor on teoscar hernandez but it's colt wong get ready to play hardball in the kingdom take me to the ball game Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Colton Wong, let's, you know, let's let's backtrack and let's bring everybody up to date that's a casual fan. Uh, we traded, remember, our favorite person to talk about on this podcast, one, Jesse Winker, who, you know, who showed up to the Mariners as maybe, you know, one of the best left hitting left fielders in all of baseball last year, laid an egg. Um, like Ryan Divish said, you know, his biggest contribution to the Mariners was starting a brawl and eating a pizza that showed up. Um, was not on the playoff roster. We traded. Basically, the relationship was very fractured. Uh, so, obviously, the cost for somebody like that has is, is gone way down. We get an upgrade at second base on the trade. A lot of people are... Uh, skeptical what we got for Winker. I feel like what we got for Winker was market value. We also made an upgrade at second base all around. Maybe we didn't sign the free agent. So let's leave that part of the conversation out of it. How do you feel about Colton Wong? And would you agree like he's got a lot of pressure on him here? I I don't know about pressure. Um, 
I feel like, you know, besides the Winker part of the deal, also uh, Abraham Toro was part of it. So let's not forget that. So we no, got not two at all. One, two for one. But Colton Wong, uh, I feel like he's a little younger. He's had a little bit more success lately. Um, Adam Frazier was getting older. He hadn't shown the numbers that he had put up the last few years um, when he was in Pittsburgh. So I think Adam or uh, Colton Wong's a younger player, had some trouble defensively. I saw some videos with him working with Perry Hill on the wall, some wall drills, so he could work on his transfer. So when they bring it out to the field, it's more fluid and natural. So the, defensively, they thought he maybe lost a step when I'm listening to the experts and stuff. But offensively, he had another good year last year. I mean, he had his most home runs that he's had in his career. He had 15. He had uh, over 430 at-bats. He hit 250. I mean, if we get that from him, 250 and, and 15, that's way more than we got from Frazier last year. Even though Adam Frazier had one of the biggest hits in Mariner, uh, in the Mariners season last year in the playoffs against Toronto, that big two-out double um, in game two of that series in the, in the uh, wild-card series. But I'm looking for more athleticism. Like you mentioned before, Myron, the shift has changed. Um, we're looking for him to cover more ground uh, defensively, be a better defensive player than Adam Frazier was, and, and be a step above in, on the, on the, uh, on the uh, at-bat for uh, Kelton Wong. Yeah, and you said it right there. There seems to be an upswing in the offensive end. Especially the way baseball is playing. He's driving the ball more. Uh, what seems to be in question, even though he's been a gold glove second baseman, is he's had a couple of off years at second base. Yes, the shift's been in there. Some people can be like, well, these guys plan for the shifts. But obviously when you take an infielder out of the infield and you put him on grass and you hit the, these angles, I can buy into that, that that's difficult. When you can just straight up play your position um, you know, the, the facts are going to be there, whether you can cover the ground and make your moves, uh, we're going to see it. You're going to have to play straight up. We got Perry Hill, one of the best, if not the best, you know, infield coaches in defensive infield coaches in all of baseball. We've seen what he's done with Teoscar Hernandez. Sorry. We've seen what he's done. With Eugenio Suarez, we saw what he did with D. Gordon. We saw what he's done with J.P. Crawford. We've seen what he's done with Ty France. And Colton seems very outspoken and also very dedicated to being like, hey, I was a gold glover, and I love the fact that he really acknowledges that he's a gold glover, not just being like, hey, I'm a gold glove second baseman. He's like, I want to get back to that gold glove second baseman. I've also heard him going, hey, I know where I'm at in my career. I know that maybe when there's left-handers on the mound, there's somebody else is going to play out there for me, and I'll be ready to go. And that's the kind of guy I like. I like that he's been on winning teams. Um, that's huge. Uh, but definitely when I say there's pressure on him, I think that's from the fans. So I want to back a little bit backtrack of what I was saying. It was like, Hey, whether the team wins or loses, you know, it doesn't have, he's not the main factor. I think if you can bring more than Adam Frazier and whoever else played at second base, which the bar isn't that very high, I, that's an improvement. No, but getting back to Tanya's question, she was asking, um, you know, the club last year made some massive improvements. They got into the playoffs. This offseason, they didn't have the sexy moves. They didn't go after the big free agents. But they did add some players, like she mentioned, in Teoscar and, Kel and Colton Wong. Um, do I think that it is an upgrade? Yes, I do. And the numbers come out and show it. But is it a big enough upgrade as fans to see us get that push to, you know, push for that first place in the in the AL West. I'm not sure. It's a nice upgrade, but I don't know if it's enough. Well, it might be not enough, but also I don't feel like you can point to these two moves and be like that's why we didn't go. 
yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I, you're, I get that. You but, can't blame them personally. No, but they are going to be the factor of it because they are the two guys that have been added to this club that are supposed to make these guys make that next step. Besides the youngsters that are going to be improving, the Cal Raleigh's, the Julio Rodriguez, those type of players. So they're going to have a little bit of a, the eyes on them to see if they're going to be making that next step. Well, this feels passionate. I'm enjoying the conversation, and I think that we'll have to agree to disagree on what uh, we're not coming to agreement on. So let's yeah, go and talk I, about yeah, spring it's training. it's an agreement, and then I feel like there's a disagreement. But, like, yeah, it's these two are definitely, I would say, to answer your question, just like Hanno said, probably the, the two things that people are definitely going to have the microscopes out. They're going to have the, what do you call this? The, the monocle. The monocle. <laughs> They're going to be like, these are the two things, even though I feel like, yes, it is a upgrade, but also going to be a very, like, scrutinized or very, uh, you know, uh, celebrated thing and they're both uh in their final year of their contract so they both could be gone this could be a one-hit wonder and it's it's something it's low risk high reward look look we traded a good bullpen person not a like hey this is a shutdown like not enough and we traded jesse winker for the other guy so I feel like the biggest risk was probably to Toronto, and who cares? You know, hopefully Jesse Winker turns his, his life around and his career around in Milwaukee, but it just wasn't happening here in Seattle. No, I understand, and we can go over. This will be next episode. I want to talk about the podcast that I heard with Jesse Winker. It kind of went, what went wrong for him. And I'm going to veto that, but sure. I'm out of here. All right. <laughs> I knew you loved him. <laughs> Moving on. All right, guys, so spring training has started. All of the players are reporting in Arizona. Games are starting this Friday. I want to hear from you both. What are, let's say, top three things, um, questions that you hope will be answered by the end of spring training? Oh, gosh. Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. I've, I will be down there in a couple of weeks. There, there's so much stuff that uh, it's kind of already in place, I think, there's a few things. I don't know, Hannah. I want to defer to you. Give me your... Get, you, sorry, I'm going to give you the hot tag. Give me your three things. Let's let's go off of that. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some decisions that are probably already made uh, with the roster. It seems like the roster is already kind of set. But a couple few things that I'm looking at is uh, who's going to be able to um, break in and help out this Mariner bullpen. Is it going to be a Casey Sadler? Is it going to be one of the youngsters, you know, like a Bryce Miller who's been a starter? Could he be moved to the bullpen? A young player, you know, a Brandon Wu, uh, Taylor Williams. I mean, there's there's a bunch of of young players that might get that shot to get, you know, the JBBs, players like that that were picked up um, this offseason that can – help out that Mariner bullpen. So that's a big thing for me, Mariner bullpen. The other thing would be uh, Cade Marlowe in uh, in the outfield. Is, yeah. he's gonna, is he going to be able to challenge Kelnick with Taylor Trammell not that's being healthy? Uh, I, I, I haven't seen him play that much. Uh, Jerry has talked him up quite a bit. It would be interesting to see him in spring training. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of time. Uh, so it's going to see. it's going to be nice to see what kind of game he has. Um, and then the, the, the last thing will be, obviously, the fifth starter. Uh, it sounds like Marco's kind of, it's his to lose, but uh, Flexen, like I mentioned, um, uh, Bryce Miller, you know, he he's one of the hot guys. Brandon Wu, another guy. Um, Barrera, another starter. So, it, I mean... Is there going to be an injury throughout spring training? Will the Mariners shuffle out Flexen? Could they shuffle out um, Marco? To me, just thinking offhand, I think it might be more of a, a Flexen that might go. So it's it, it, injuries come up. It's just going to be really interesting to see how that fifth starter plays out. So those are kind of my three things with knowing that the roster is pretty much set with uh, – with the players, the bench players, the Haggerty, the Demo, 
Um, the backup catchers are already solidified with uh, um, Tom Murphy. He's healthy again this year. So, I mean, a lot of the questions have already been answered, but those are a few things that are on my mind to see what uh, can happen throughout this spring training. Yeah, and I think as far as looking into what the opening day roster is, I agree with you. As far as, like, what are the full-time, long-term 2023 solutions, we can't get into that right now. <laughs> you know, these yeah, guys are a, down. Yeah, these guys are just down there ago. weighing in, showing their haircuts off, showing their jean shorts off, uh, doing, you know, it's, it's optimism. Like we talked at the top. Hi, this is Tim McCarver. This fall, go to the head of the class with Gabe Kaplan and John Travolta. Welcome back, Cotter, this fall on Channel 17, where it's one hit after another. But I would be remiss before we get out of this episode because we're running out of time and talking about uh, one uh, big baseball loss that we had, and that's uh, Tim McCarver. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, as a baseball fan, I've been watching Tim McCarver do the national games for many years back into the early 80s from when I remember when the Twins were in the World Series back in 87, back in the Metrodome. Uh, Tim McCarver was always the number one analyst on Fox uh, as the color guy. Um, the Mariners obviously weren't in the playoffs for many years, so I heard Tim. He started off with uh, um, Jack Buck, Joe Buck's dad, working the uh, postseason. Before that, there was guys like Joe Garagiola, a lot of play- a lot of guys like that. If you're wondering who is this Tim McCarver, if you're one of our new fans, he would he was in the same position as John Smoltz is right now. Uh, it was before all the analytics. He was just a a baseball guy. It was kind of it's definitely old school. He wasn't giving you all the analytic numbers. He would just talk baseball, and he was great. I, you know, I mean, he had his problems with Deion Sanders that I'm sure you're going to talk about here in a second, Myron. That um, you know, kind of was a hiccup in his career, but he was, he was a great baseball guy. I really enjoyed hearing his content as a, as a color guy on the game of the week world series. And, uh, he will be missed. He was, he was a, he's one of the greats. Yeah. And sure. You can watch the stuff on in the Dion documentary, but I don't think this is time or the place. So I'm going to leave that alone for now. Uh, but yeah, maybe one of the more, hiccupy things that he didn't like uh you know i will say on that documentary dion tried to explain years later that maybe he tried to make up and tim mccarver just didn't think that was enough and i'm sure that he had his reasons i mean dion is dion i love him or hate him uh tim mccarver definitely growing up watching games with my grandpa bud um that takes me back uh Definitely, like you said, a catcher, um, toughest position, especially in the era that he played in, right? You know, <laughs> this is when they could, they treated catchers like dog shit. So uh, it is a big loss. When you told me when we were just sitting here setting stuff up, you're like, we should talk about Tim McCarver. And I said, what happened? What's going on with him now? And you're like, he passed away. And I was like, holy shit. No, it means we're getting older. I mean, We've listened to guys like him, Joe Buck, uh, um, like I said, his dad. But, I mean, John Miller, Joe Morgan has passed away. We we heard those guys on the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, it's just, you know, it's crazy how time flies and we're, we're, we're losing some of the greats. We are. And if you like to go on YouTube and, you know, you know, look up baseball history stuff and you watch any of the, like, 80s and 90s playoff series – Tim McCarver's on everything. When when the games mattered, Tim McCarver was there. Who's there? Obviously in the playoffs and the World Series, he's uh, R.I.P. Definitely like definitely fits that rye bread and mustard, you know, a cut from the cloth kind of person. Um, a moment of silence. It has not been proven, but I think ultimately it will be proven that 
The air is thinner now. There have been climactic changes over the last 50 years in the world. And I think that's one of the reason that, reasons that balls are carrying much better now than I remember. I, you know, the ball that Ramirez hit out, the ball that Freeze hit out. I didn't think either one was going to be a home run, and yet they made it. So that's your inconvenient truth about me. Well, I think they're going to find that out one of these days. Yes, I do. That's a theory, but we'll see. Most theories. Hey, well, thanks for listening. We're really pumped up. Spring training. We're getting ready for baseball. We all know everybody else is. If, if you just are just like, man, I'm jonesing for more like... Just T-Mobile Park uh, feelings. Go back and listen to our episode with Mariners PA announcer Tom Hutler. That was a that was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Hanno? Oh, it it was a pleasure to be able to talk with one one of the Mariner greats, the PA announcer for the Mariners. Pick his brain. Uh, like I said, Myron, you did a phenomenal job talking with him, interviewing him, and thanks for having me along to uh, ask him a few questions. You did a great job. Oh, thanks. stop it, Tanya. And thanks to Tom as well, Tanya. It's the only compliment you're going to get this whole year. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. Tanya, what do you think about that episode? Well, Hannah covered it for me, too. That's all you get. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it's time to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you. This is the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. This is our first episode in the new season. It feels good. It feels great. Thank you to the lovely Tanya and I don't know what to call you. And Hanno here in Edmonds. Uh, thank you for listening to us on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. And you know what? If you're getting that shit on, um, I don't know, Apple Podcasts, don't be shy. Say hello. Say hello by giving us that review. Maybe that five-star review. You know what, Hanno? I'm still down, even with these rule changes and everything. It's all about those five tool baseball players, isn't it? Yeah, we still have them. Yes, we still have them. But you know what I like more than that? Five-star reviews. So if you feel obliged, give us that five-star review. Punch that five-star review. Punch it. Check us out on the socials. If you got something very strongly worded, hit us up at rye bread and mustard podcast at gmail.com. Hanno, no, 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 no. Tanya, you know what time it is. I'll let you do it, Hanno. Charge. Down to spring training. <laughs> you did a great, that was really good. Was it? I loved it.